Oh, I'm so excited about this, guys. Hello, everybody. This hey. is just such a hello Hi. for us to be checking in. Um, it's been a really kind. It's been an extraordinary time in terms of it being so tense and weird and divisive online. We've seen a lot of fallouts. You've seen a lot of <clears throat> sort of quite shocking statements from friends. Um, I've actually had some family that have been saying some weird things. And I thought it would just be a really good time for us to check in with each other and and have a bit of a chat and an open, honest chat of people who, you know, work in an industry where we... I don't, it just, it feels... Obviously, there are times where you go, actually, that, that was a bit odd. But it, as I've grown up and we've all grown up doing it, it sort of felt like we are one. But then we have these times where it rocks us. Um, I thought we'd bring together some really incredibly talented people and interesting people. I've got um, actress, singer and voiceover artist, Jennifer Sayan. <laughs> uh, I've got actress and writer, Donna Preston. I've got actress and presenter, Sarah Jane Honeywell. I've got actor, singer, Adrian Hansel. And I've got director and filmmaker, and we were obsessed with him as Jerome from Brookside. Yeah! What it was as well, it was to talk about, we've all been quite active online as friends. We've all been really posting, getting involved, and like a lot of your posts have moved me, or I thought, or we've, like me and Sarah Jane had this amazing interaction after the post that I posted, and I'm going to read it out to you. Um, it seemed to get quite a lot of traction, a lot of shares. And I wasn't upset when I was saying about this experience. It was just my everyday experience, and I'm so hardened to it. So I'll read it out to you. It says, um, I remember being, st this is after obviously George Floyd um, and the, Amy Cooper incident in the park that happened. And I wrote, I remember being stopped in LA on my way to the shop. The officer asked me, are you on probation? I remember feeling humiliated. Now I would think it was normal as I've hardened to racism. When people put their mobile phones away with suspicion when they see me, or when people quickly check their bag, when you walk into a pub, or put it right next to them to check that it's right there, or women clutch, clutch their bags at the glance of a black person. All of these little, in brackets, massive things used to hurt. Now I expect it. What a bloody shame. I try and stay positive and work friendly on here, but by staying quiet, I am part of the problem. Hashtag, I can't breathe. Which, and then I had like a cry out from friends, like, um, one sort of dodgy, I'm really sorry that you feel this way. And it's like, oh, God, that's a bit odd. But the most amazing thing that I had was with Sarah Jane. And it was like, and, and we've had a great time together in the past. And she was like, oh, she sort of went, oh, I, I've done that. I've actually been that person. And, and now we had an amazing conversation. And I really loved you for your honesty. And I just mm. think it's a, uh, what was Sarah, Sarah, what, what, what is it when that happens? What, I, what, and not to put you on the spot and you are not the voice of all white people. That's here. all right. Or, I, I, yeah. I didn't know I did it until I read your post. I thought like, I mean, I was sacked from the BBC for sticking up for animals. So I thought I was the most empathetic person in the world. And I really thought I absolutely wasn't racist. You know, I would fight vigilantly people that were 
And then I read that post. Obviously, I saw what happened and I was shocked. And I thought, that's terrible. I can't believe that still happens in this day and age. And then I read your post and I went, oh, my God. I, I do that. I definitely do that. I definitely do that to young black men. And uh, if I'm in the pub, I'll pull my bag photo. If my phone's out on the table, I'll put my phone away. And I didn't even realize I did it. And I, that's, and I felt like I needed to own up to you because I feel like if, if, if people don't own up to the fact that they're doing even small things, and they're not small actually, because they hurt people deeply. And, um, but if they don't own up to the fact that they're doing that, then how can things ever change? And how, if they don't own up to other people, they're not owning up to themselves, are they? And we can all go around saying, I'm not racist and I don't do that and this is terrible. Meanwhile, pulling your bag in a bit closer in the pub, nothing's gonna change. And, and I really think that if there was ever a hashtag for white people, it should be, um, I'm listening at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that's, and actually it's not just white people that do it. Black people do it as well. You know, I, I've, I've clocked myself doing it. So it's, we have to, it's, it's about, and thank you for being so honest. Like, like, Leon, what do you think it is? Well, you know me, I feel like I've got an answer for everything. But over the last few weeks, uh, pre-corona and corona, I've just been analysing everything and just watching so many documentaries, watching, like, I'm the biggest, you know, people call me conspiracy theorist, but, you know, even if a small percentage of some of the things that I watch are true, then you know, it's worth looking into. So all of the stuff that I've seen, where we've got to think, where do these come from? These are, everything's learned. We learn everything. We learn things from school. We learn things from home. But ultimately, what is the biggest tool that governments, that media, anybody uses to teach us? And it's television, it's film, it's movies. We are taught how to perceive a black person, how to perceive a Muslim person, how to perceive a white person, how to perceive a Chinese person from what we see on television. Because some people, and it doesn't matter what your race is, live in isolated communities where all they've got for their education is the news. So if you look, I um, slightly on a tangent, but if you look back to years before, 10 o'clock news always used to end with a happy story, a positive one to take you out on, you know, happy news so that you're not left with all the doom and gloom. That's gone. It's gone. Now it's constant bombardment with this has happened, that's happened, this person's died, cancer, death, war. So we're being ingrained, we're ingrained with all this stuff of actually the world is bad. And then we turn onto our television programs and it's like, oh, the black person is the convict or he's a bouncer or he's a drug dealer or he's a kid on a street. And we go, oh, well, that's just what black people do. No, that's what we're taught black people do. You know, that amazing documentary, which I only watched recently, which I feel ashamed for, The 13th, where it talks about, in you know, one of the earliest Hollywood blockbusters, um, The Birth of a Nation, depicted black people as animals, you know, eating kind of off the bone and raping white women. So instantly you've got something that's going to be gone on a global scale before television was even around, before the like, film was even on a, you know, on a on an everyday kind of basis, but this is an education tool that people use to show that black people are thugs, that the evil, that the murderers, the rapists, and that has been perpetuated and used throughout time. So all of our experiences are, you know, people go Muslim people, they're hired to do, you know, on TV, we'll hire a Muslim person to play a terrorist or, you know, to, oh, we'll hire an Indian person to work in a shop 
or to be a doctor, all these stereotypical roles that we're told that that's what people do. So if we are told on television that that's what a person does, when we see them on the street, we're going to think that's what they are. Yeah, I think actually it was really interesting in terms of our industry as well, because a little bit before, actually a bit before lockdown, I was going up to Kensington and Chelsea to get my parking permit done. And, um, and there was this really pretty blonde girl, woman. And I looked at her and I did a double take and I was like, oh, she's off the telly. And um, in the process of me doing that, she glared at me, looked away and then hid her phone and clutched her bag. So there was that. Then a few days later, um, I was walking with the morning coffee, as you do, and um, actor that I really respect, actually. And um, he he was a few streets away from where I live, and, and it was only me and him on the street. And he was walking towards me, and he was st- scrolling on his phone. And I was like, oh, that's so-and-so, because he was doing a play about race at the time. And, and I looked, and he looked at me, and he got his phone, and he put it in his pocket. So it's kind it's so ingrained in 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 society that this and isn't it amazing that like in London where you think actually come on if I've got a phone in my hand and I've got a coffee in my hand I'm not going to drop it to rob you it's like are we going <laughs> you know what I mean but do you know what I think the thing is it's the fact that it's become so subconscious it's so ingrained in our subconscious from a kid like one of my best friends who I'm actually staying with in Leeds whilst I'm working up here is a white guy in his fifties and he. This has been the best journey for me, going through all of this with him, actually seeing him. Not that, you know, he'd never class himself as a racist. He's not a racist person. But what he got an old book. This was the most, he got an old book from like a collection that he'd found. And it was, you know, teaching your kids your A's, your B's, your C's. So he's got two little nephews. I think one's three, one's four. Um, And he took it down. He went to his sister. He's like, I've got this book. So she's going through and it's like, A is for Apple. B is for blah, blah, blah. And he gets to... Guess what G was? No. Golly Golly mother effing wog. Now, this is an education tool that was put out to kids in like the 70s or 80s. He didn't read this, but he was mortified. She was mortified. She was like, how could this be something? So if someone's allowed that to be in that book, because, (laughs) and, but the thing is, sorry. How old was it? When was it from? It's from like the 70s or 80s or something. It's just like, but it's an old, you know, just a normal big picture of a, and you see a Gollywood. Now, the thing that gets me is, it's like, it's easy for us to kind of condemn it because of what we see the world as today. But that's what the world was then. And again, it's Mm. not that it was right, but that's been allowed to be put into those books. And again, you know, the term, in Jermaine and Elsie, one of Ashley's short films that we made, uh, nigger brown. It was a common term, nigger brown. It was something that everybody used. And it's not because it was right, but it was something that society has been told, oh, it's okay to use that, because no one... I think it's one thing as well, it being put into the books but still using those books and those books still being out. Oh, no, sorry. I'm in defense of my friend. He wasn't using the book. Basically, he found a load of old books. One of them as a kid looked at it. So he took it and it was his sister who was going through it with him. And then they look and they got to it and she was mortified and took it off the kit. Do you see what I mean? Off the fact that it could be allowed to be in a kid's book. Even on that, Leon, I've I've got mates now and one friend who set up a really incredible Instagram page who she's an early stage um, primary school teacher. And she is the mother of three children and they're mixed race. Their dad is black and she's white. And she has a page and basically all she posts is children's books 
that are multicultural mm. that show kids with hijabs, black kids, white kids playing with black kids, mixed race families, you know, African stories, whatever, whatever it is. Um, but there has to be an active choice made for... I've got kids. I've got two oh, boys. Yeah. Um, so I've got a two-year-old and a four-year-old, both boys. And we live in Lincoln, which uh, is very white. It's disturbing. It's so white. Mm. Um, and they go to a private school as well. However, the good thing about the private school is it is very multicultural because uh, there are lots of people from abroad. There are lots of people from the RAF because it's Lincoln. And uh, he's got a little girl, an Indian little girl there. And there's a few kind of, and I'm really sorry because I'm a bit, I'm very ignorant and I don't know what the best, do, 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 you, do you prefer us to say black children or do you prefer us to say just children? I really don't know. I and I'm embarrassed. Black, I isn't it? It's fine to say, you know, yeah. the whole thing of I don't see colour isn't really a thing. It's like see colour, there's nothing wrong and it's beautiful. You know, I'm, brown, I'm, you know, it's like there's nothing wrong in kind of. And I think as a white person, you go, I don't, I, I do anyway, I go, I don't want to say the wrong thing. But what I've noticed with my child, well, my four year old, he's never once ever said to me, why is, well, she's called Dania, but he calls her Danduna because that's what she likes to be called. Why is Danduna a different colour to me? He's never said it, ever, ever, ever. And he's surrounded by a lot of white. And I think it must start, it must start really on from the parents. Now, my parents are racist. <laughs> I've blessed them. Um, they're not horribly 1970s, 1980s racist, but you know, they would, I've heard them saying, well, white lives matter too. And I'm, not, I'm like, mom, it's, it's not about that. It's not about that. That's like when someone hits you and then they start crying because they've had a bad childhood, but they've just hit you. I was like, we need to listen because that's the only way this is ever going to change. And actually, um, it's all right going, oh, well, you know, we don't do that anymore. We don't say those words anymore, but we still do those little, huge, hurtful things like pulling our bags one side and out. Actually, we had that conversation because after I'd read your post and I saw that a black guy and I purposely let my phone swing out around me and I, I might as well have gone, oh, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so happy to see him. I really wanted him to know that I loved him and I was giving him love. So I gave him the biggest smile I could possibly do. And he looked at me really confused and then gave me a big smile back. And I was just, hello. And he was like, Hello. I think that's a really interesting thing there because, you know, there are some black people who are thugs. And so I think that for me anyway, what I keep thinking about is how we change the stereotype and how we need to start from the bottom. And I'm when I say the bottom, I mean from very young, really early. And so where we're talking about those storybooks, that's why I think it's really, it is really important. We have to make a conscious choice to educate our kids in that way. I, when I was young, there were no books with kids of color in them. I don't know about you guys, but yeah. And, and I see my mates now and their kids have black dolls and stuff. I, I remember mum trying really hard to get one. I can't remember whether I ever, ever did, but I, I don't think I did. It's amazing that your kids are in school where there's multicultural um families but those that aren't you know my uh one of my family members their kids are at a school where it's very mixed but there aren't many chinese people or um 
yeah people from that part of the world and so when one of the kids saw a Chinese person that's when he asked the question oh he understands the black kid he understands the Asian kid he doesn't understand the Chinese kid because he's not around that and so what am I trying to say you know it, so they ask the questions when they see the difference but I think then, sorry to that point is, is not around you know my thing with it is it's that yeah, it's down to the parents, it's down to all of us, to educators, but the resource needs to be there. And the fact that the resource wasn't there and the fact that the resource that was there did have Golly Walking, somebody on a high level has allowed that to happen. And that's what we all, we need to, we need to make sure that we don't get too caught up in the fact of the whole divide and conquer, which is what I feel like the people of above want. Whereas if the people who are making these decisions, that's why it's like, I know you, I understand what you mean, like starting from the bottom, making sure we educate from the bottom up, but actually mm. we need to make sure that we've got the people at the top giving the opportunities to allow that. So these books have to be created and yet there are people doing it, but there are people, you know, there's, it's my big, the big campaign that not I've got, but that's going on at the moment is to get people in entertainment and in media on high level positions of color of, which I hate that term now. I used to always say it and I've realized I actually hate it, but black people, you know, F, people from different <coughs> ethnicities, because by doing that, what you do is you'll notice it. It's like, you'll notice it. If you're, someone's brought a book to you and you go, oh, there's no diversity in this book. But somebody who isn't experienced of that will not see it. And that's not an excuse. Ignorance isn't an excuse. But unless you've got somebody next to you who's got equal standing, and it doesn't mean, and I hate this whole thing of, oh, we're just giving people a job because of the color of the skin. No, there are plenty of people who are able and capable to do these jobs so now we need to find the visibility of it and i've got a problem at the minute where i've been putting this list together of black creatives and people who have who are of african descent who be for behind the camera and all of the groups that i'm trying to find and join oh the, the closed groups because it's a safe space no we don't need a safe space we don't need it to be closed what we need it to be is open and inclusive so yeah it might just be black people or people of african descent in the groups but don't close it because if you close it the people on the outside can't see in and that's another excuse to go there's a barrier there so we can't we need to make sure that there's visibility across the spectrum with everything but but, so, but adrian like going back all of the years that you've been in the industry how many uh, you would I would imagine that you've been l l lots of times the only mixed race person in productions, no black choreographers, black directors, black writers. What's what's your experience been on that? Yeah, it was, it's been exactly that. I, I think things are changing now. And I do think it's probably slightly different for um, plays, but the shows that I do and that I went into um, was very much not that at all. Um, and the, I mean, I've had really amazing experiences, but when you, when you do get cast in a show that isn't necessarily um, for a black person, um, they've just opened up the role and whoever gets it, gets it. Um, and that happened to me in Starlight Express, actually, um, when I auditioned for that. And it was for Rust, and I think the last black Rust they had was probably 20 years before me. Um, and I remember getting that role and I was so pleased that I got it just because I just really wanted to do that part and I really wanted to do the show. But then all I heard afterwards was like, oh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, he only got it because they just wanted a Black Rusty this year. And it was like, no, it isn't. It's, that, that, that wasn't the case at all. You know, I know, I know that for a fact, but you, when, you, when you're happy about getting something and then you get bashed down 
pay that's like really really hurtful but i've probably i've worked with i mean i've done um black shows and they've been Simon Callow was the director, amazing. Um, white, uh, Trevor Nunn, amazing. White, there were the black shows I did. Um, and then all the other shows I've, I've worked with two out of maybe 18 professional mm-hmm. productions. Two, one was Clark Peters last year and Tyron Huntley, who's just gone into directing and that was it. If you think that's in our, that's in our, but that's everywhere. So if you think that we're sort of like talking about our industry but that is just everywhere and I, I've been Probably an industry that would believe itself to be quite forward-thinking as well in that in that respect and in terms of like area like Sarah Jane's talking about Lincoln I know Adrian was the countryside literally Stoke Poges, James yeah. Bury, Donna York, Leon Liverpool, me Notting Hill it's gonna differ the experience for all of us. Yeah. Donna, what was it like where you where you were like growing up in terms of um, black people? So I was uh, brought up in Yorkshire, in York, and I tell you something now: there was no black people. I think the first time that I had a, a moment with a black person, I will never forget it because it was probably the most glorious time of my life. It was. <laughs> um, it was New Year's Eve and I had a glorious kiss with this beautiful gentleman. Um, and uh, it was in a club called The Gallery on a, and it was a Sunday night and it was R&B night. And I don't know where, where these black people came from. They were just in the gallery on a Sunday night. In the streets, in the days, no one. It was just white people. And I was like, where are these black people living? Where are they? I want to see them, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it was, it, it, Yorkshire is getting better now. There was quite a bit of diversity there, but uh, yeah, there, there, was, there was no diversity at all growing up. And for me, like I, I've, I've, when I first saw like kind of like black people, I genuinely, I was just like, oh my God. Um, it, was, it was amazing because I'm, I'm can I say this? I really like, uh, I'm quite obsessed with with black skin. <laughs> Can I say that? I think it's so incredibly beautiful. And um, what sort of age are you at this point, Donna? Mm. Sorry, Cockleshell, say that again. What sort of age are you at this point? Oh, I think, I'm, I, think I must have been about 18. Maybe. Can I say 16? I think I had a fake ID. <laughs> um, maybe I was 16. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. So what was your experience? What, so before you'd seen a black person in the flesh? That sounds really weird. No, they exist, right? Yeah, it's weird, yeah. When Please. did you see, when was the first memory that you have of knowing that there were black people then? And how, what was it from? Maybe it was from school that we got taught a little tiny bit about slavery. Tiny bit. But that's that's pretty much it. And then um, and yeah, I, oh, and never um, and yeah, and then yeah, it's it's just going back on the gollywog uh, there, Leon. I haven't been back to Yorkshire, York, in a couple of years, so maybe uh, it doesn't exist anymore. But there is a street called the Shambles, and there's kind of little quirky shops in there, and I shit you not. 
there is a shop full of gollywogs. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I went back a couple of years ago and, and I was like, what? This is madness. Why is this okay? Why? It's just utterly shocking. And actually, you know? Ben, because I don't, because I know, because um, I'm always in antique shops because I'm doing up an old house. Um, and, and you often see uh, those dolls and they are quite pricey as well. And when you were talking about that, I was remembering when I was little and I think it was Robinson's Marmalade. <clears throat> it was some marmalade and, yeah. that, and that had, I don't, I, don't, I, don't want to, I don't feel like I have the right to say that word. So it had that doll on there. And if you collected so many um, labels, then you got a badge. <laughs> with that on um, and I don't know why and I, I don't know why you know like with the statues I'm like when those statues were pulled down I was like how are they still up and what's how are they still up when we know what we know and why are those things not burned what do they matter that's I mean maybe keep one just to go wasn't this awful this was a terrible thing that we did and we were still doing it in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000, 2010, and actually still in 2020 as well. And isn't it time that we went, get rid of those, that's it. That's offensive, full stop. Let's just get yeah. rid of them. Also, can I just add, I'm sorry, um, going back on the, um, like, Gollywood pins, that's just the first band in the works. Um, I do remember that because my mum collected those stamps. You know, it was something that, a very long time ago, but it was something where you, yeah, you collected X amount of tokens and then you got like a different version of whatever doll was and um, we had those. And wow. that's just crazy, isn't it? But yeah, and like what we did. Um, yeah, sorry. And so is your mum black or white? Why? Okay. I mean, what do we say to people who say, well, it's just a doll? Oh, it's just a doll. What do we say to those people? That's what it thing. represents. It's what it represents. Like, I, I think mean, it's different. I do think it's, you know, I think people are very more so aware of what that is. And obviously, you know, but it, it, it fell in the category of there's also a bank, that was Midlands Bank, where if you open the bank account, you'd get like the money box. If you collect a token, you'd get different pigs for the money box. If you collected the, the Robinson's Jam, you would get five different badges of that. If you, it was kind of, in, we went to McDonald's having where you got a free toy. It was that kind of thing. Mm. Obviously now, and not even just now, but even like years before, that would like never happen. And, but it was almost like a, a, an unconscious thing that, oh, just another if I find these, I'll get a free, that, yeah, I'll do that. It's a, it's a free, and it, would ne it was never really a, you know, obviously now it's mortifying, but well, you know, I, I run in the works. We, yeah, my my family did collect those. I mean, how crazy is that? Well, I think I can sort of understand that. Like you said, it was just a thing you did and a thing you collected. And if you don't understand the history behind it, then if for you, it's just another thing that you collect. I think that's why, you know, I'm so, so big on the education thing because somehow we know what swastikas are. And if you were collecting, mm -hmm. you know, different sizes or colors of swastikas, then you probably wouldn't because you kind of understand the history behind it. Even if you don't really know why it's bad, you kind of do. So maybe that wouldn't have been another thing that you would have collected. And so that's why I'm saying like in our schools, if we're learning a bit more about that, then- And we also, 
where they come from and why that maybe isn't a good thing to collect. Also, these companies, let's not forget, because again, it's like we have to put the onus on ourselves to educate ourselves, but we also have to put a lot of onus on these massive companies who have got massive media departments, who have got massive researchers, who look into the, whenever someone picks a symbol, they're not just picking a symbol, they're looking at what goes behind it. So someone's allowed that to be on that jam jar, knowing mm. what the connotations of it are. Do you see what I mean? So it's a case of like, like it's great. Me and Ashley work with an actress, um, a trans actress, Monroe Bergdorf, Bergdorf, mixed race girl. And um, she was hired by L'Oreal. I don't know if a lot of people know the story. And then she spoke out about racism. And I always kick myself now. Like at the time, you know, she's a lot younger than me. And I've, you know, I'm 40 years old, been in the industry for a while. And I see myself in a, not a similar position as trans, but as in a mixed race person in entertainment. And I was like, just kind of, you know, hold back a little bit. Don't go, you know, you, you grow in your career. And it was one of those things. And, you know, I, I posted publicly to say, look, I apologize for, you know, questioning your, the way you, uh, you approach that. Because, but now that company have taken her on as a diversity advisor. Which again, you know, I think, and good for her for taking it because she can make a difference. But that company, trying reaching out to an olive branch, but if it wasn't for all the stuff that had gone on, they wouldn't have done that. But I think mm. it's a case of these companies, without actually having an experience of what happened to Monroe, should be doing the same thing. And ignorance, again, is not an excuse. It's not as an excuse for us as the general public, but it's a less of an excuse for a massive corporation who are using these images, which they know are attached to all these negativity. Not just about black people about anything do you know what i mean it's like actually you're not on your own just because what we it's this toe the line narrative isn't it that we've got it's like don't don't do it like about other black people like when they're getting i've done it when you see other black people getting a bit too excited you're like oh come on hold it down don't get put it back put it back yeah they're showing us all up it's that narrative in your head that we've now got to throw out of the window. And actually, what you said, Leon, last night when we were chatting about this is, you know, we're a bit scared to say something too risky, just so in case it dies down. And it's like, you're the person that said that. How do we, how do we keep this going in a way that's healthy, that's not vitriolic, that's not divisive, um, and, and actually just keep it an open conversation and Sarah Jane you being a mum you know the brilliant thing of you being able to do this with your children you know Adrian the fact that you were the only black boy mixed race child in your village you know what I mean that was actually I had the first person the first I remember the first kind of like interaction like friend I had was when I went to studio centre and I started college in London at 16 um but from four right up until 16, there was no um, black kids in my schools, no black kids in my village whatsoever. Um, And the only other person I kind of had a slight interaction with was when I used to go to auditions as a kid, and that was you, Ashley. Um, And the reason why I was really drawn to Ashley when I was like 10, 11, was because I would walking in a room for audition as a kid and seeing someone that looked just like me. And I couldn't believe that someone looked so much like me. And we, we it, it started off just being like, hi, hi. And then I see you again at another audition. It was like, oh, hi, how are you? And then we kind of got a sort of friendship, but I didn't know him. I didn't have his number. Like we weren't, I just always used to see this guy at the auditions and he looked so much like me. And I almost used to get excited if I hadn't cast him thinking, I'm going to see Ashley, you know, who looks like me. And then I'd go back home and then there was no one like me at all. And that was at 12. 
that's that's, that's like a that's a long time, 11, that's a long time to go through. Where And Jen, that would have been similar for you, right, as well in Surrey? Yeah, it was quite similar. It was quite similar. Um, and the kind of sad thing about it is that sometimes I thank my lucky stars that I grew up around all these white privileged people and, and therefore I'm quite privileged and sort of have quite a middle class black upbringing, I would say, which means that I didn't, really fall into any of those stereotypes of becoming that child who would have been in trouble or whatever it might have been. The problem is obviously people that don't know me don't know my background so I still I would obviously still get tarred with those stereotypes as just being a black person who could easily be the thuggish girl yeah. or whatever it is. And that's Yeah I, 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 I feel exactly the same um, mm. because yeah, I had that same upbringing and, um, you know, had like elocution lessons and I just felt like I was definitely privileged from where I was born and grew up. It, it, it wasn't until, like, for instance, just a really small example, like I would call someone on the, on the phone um, to book something or maybe to book um, accommodation or a hotel or, or digs, for instance, and I'd be on the phone and they'd like, oh, really looking forward to seeing Ms. Hansel, oh, marvellous, can't wait to meet you all, can't wait to see the place. Um, this ha this is a true story. Um, and then turning up and then, yes, they help you. Oh, yeah, hi, Spitch, oh, I'm just coming here. Oh, sorry, what, what are you doing here? Oh, sorry, oh, sorry, I'm Adrian, nice to meet you, I speak to you. Oh, sorry, oh, you're, you're Adrian? And I was like, yeah. They're like, oh, oh, sorry, I just wasn't expecting you to... Oh, you, just, I did, I, you just didn't sound... Oh, okay, oh, I'm in. Straight away, it's awkward, and I feel like, oh, should I... And then they're just like, you just don't sound like, you know, how I, you just don't sound how I. <laughs> but the brilliant and it's thing. Like, it's like, so, especially if you get a tour and you've booked, you're booking like six, seven, eight, nine, ten digs and you turn up, I can guarantee you probably, you know, every six out of like the ten you've booked, they'll be like, oh, oh, I wasn't expecting you. <laughs> Oh, I, think, I don't mean to laugh, but this is laugh because it's, you should laugh. It's, but they, 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 expect, they expect a certain accent, it, they expect, like, you know, oh, you don't. You know, you know what, age? Then they have a glorious time with you. You've lived in their house for however long, and they haven't yeah. been robbed, they haven't been raped in the night or stabbed in the night. Do you know what I mean? All of these things. And, and that in itself is changing the stereotype, <laughs> which is that I got called a nigger, the first time I ever got called a nigger, because for me, I was in Notting Hill. It was really multiracial. My nan was white, so I've got loads of white cousins. My mum's mixed raced. So it's not, I haven't entirely got the mixed race experience, but, I was, I'd go to Liverpool to see all of my cousins and I'd be the only black boy in the middle of all my white cousins and not think anything of it. My thing was, I, I get what you're saying about and me and Leon, you know, Leon's from Toxteth, Liverpool, very multiracial. And I get what you're saying about being in that background where you are, you live in a village or you live in an area where it's your surrounded by and you are the only person. Mm. But what I, what, was hurtful to me and it must have been even more of a shock to you because I lived in Notting Hill where you bought down Portobello and it was like black, white, everybody was like my when I'd come into the living room to my stepdad and he'd have like there'd be white, black, mixed race, everybody in our living room. He, it was a real so so for me when I was in Sunderland <laughs> doing panto with Anton Deck, 
<laughs> and I remember walking to Very the tough. shop. Yeah, <laughs> a good one, because not many people can say this. And I remember get, I was getting packy, packy <laughs> late at night, and I was like, I've I've got it wrong. I just had to add, I've had that. Ridiculous. <laughs> packy, packy. And then I got closer, and they went, oh, no, 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 it's a nigger, nigger. Right, and I was like... <laughs> But it was it was actually then. So mental health wise, what I'm trying to say is if you are susceptible to mental health issues, if you're vulnerable, if you haven't, if you're not working and you and you've come from this background, you think I'm this really upstanding person. I'm you know, I've gone to a school that's this, and then you're getting treated like all the other niggas. Do you know what I mean? It's that type of thing Mm. that can can impact on mental health. Just shouldn't happen. I remember going on tour with a really good friend of mine who is a black guy, and we were in Wales, and people looked at him like he was an alien. And I wanted to go and smack. I'm four foot eleven. Before I tell this story, I wanted to go and smash their faces in. And he was like, "It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Don't worry about it." But it's not fine, guys. It's really not. It's, it's not, not fine. fine. But that's a lived experience, isn't it? And I think in our country, like what Ashley just said about me, I'm from Toxteth. It's a very multicultural area. It's like everybody, yeah. you know, it's the same. Everybody is everything. My like f- funny story. My mom, we went to her, um, a christening recently, and she was like, "My mom is white, blonde, four foot nothing." She was like, "All the food was out. It was <laughs> sandwiches and this that and you." And she was like, "Do they not know that we're Jamaican?" It's like, "Mom, you're not love." so for me growing up like everybody was i have always seen myself as black like everybody in liverpool is all different shades so for me being black wasn't about how light or dark you were it was just what you were it's like you can never deny it it's like my features are black it's like my hair is black i'm proud of always being proud of him and then i was saying to ashley in another conversation i remember the first time well, one of the first times I fully realised that there was a difference was I came down to London and I'd gone to a family christen- a family wedding and everybody was West Indian on that side, but dark skinned black. And me and my brother, who's lighter than me, and he was like, so, you know, but being black, blah, blah, blah. And they were like, you're not black. We're like, yeah, but they're black. No, no, you're not black. You know, you're half or you're mixed. Or you-. And I was like, I'm fucking black. Like, what the hell? It's like what I've always done. And it was a real time. I had a big kind. I had to come to terms with the fact that actually there is different scales. And then also growing up and having different people, you know, friends and also relationships of like going out with black guys who are darker skinned and their experience. Now, again, I'm not taking away from the fact that there's difficulties growing up in England as a mixed race person. But I think the thing for me is because my features are black and I'm unmistakably black, it's always like it's when you come into contact with police or non-black people in Liverpool generally, you know, you're a nigger, you're, you're a black bastard, you're this, you're that. And so you win. But the thing is, the fact that we're so hardened to it, it's not anything, to, it rolls off the tongue because it's a case of, it doesn't make it that it's right, but also I don't feel I should be offended by it. If anything, I should be making people aware of it. So if they feel offended by it, then don't do it, you know what I mean? And that'll be taught onto other people. But it's like, we have, we all have different privileges. It's like Jen, you said you've got a privilege growing up where you did you know Adrian you've got your privileges ladies you have your privileges from you know being white and it's okay and Ashley you have your privilege just being Ashley Campbell because he's fabulous <laughs> um but it's having an understanding of do you know what in life different people have got different struggles do you know what I mean I've gone off on a tangent here but no that makes sense 
that yeah. feels really close to my heart because what I've found is that for me the conversations I need to be having after this sort of massive worldwide conversation is how this affects me um and my sort of immediate bubble as it were and I'm, I don't have children but my partner's white and eventually my children will be mixed race and so for me it's quite a big deal to understand that I and my partner will be completely different actual colour probably to our children and yeah. it's, it's interesting to hear you say that Leon because I don't I probably won't I won't call my children black because I feel like well you are mixed race and to call you black is to deny your white side. This is me saying this hmm. as not. But this is the thing. This is the thing, because like, I I have thought that, and I do think that, and it wasn't until I think actually years and years ago said, um, because I think that because you know I'm you know I'm really close to my mum. You know she is white. So if if I was to call myself black, I just feel like then then I'm not I'm not discussing what my mum is. I have a white mum. I have a black dad. So I am. Right? Yeah. I, I then, love my white side, I love my black side. It wasn't until Ashley yeah. said once, um, well, if you got knocked over by a bus, they'd be like, oh, there's a 30-something black, black guy black that's guy. been hit. And I was and like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everybody else dark, is Society <laughs> will see them as black. That is what society will see them as. That's, no matter how much I try and, you know, educate my kids that they are from black and white, it's what I think, and I think that's what you're saying, Adrian. I'd yeah. love to know more what about. To, and actually, what we need to sorry to get deep, but it's so complex. The mixed race experience is so complex because even when my nan died, and we all went to the funeral, and um, oh god, it was it was comedy. And basically, so my nan's white, red ginger hair, and and, and uh, the priest could not make it out. He was still. <laughs> <laughs> Because he's got my, my 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 nan had a daughter from her first relationship, so my auntie is white. My auntie Maria, who's I don't see as my half auntie, I see as my full. I love my auntie, um, but all of this it's so complex, and it's because people just don't get it. The, you know, mm. the amount of times that you know Adrian or Leon or would have you know would have gone in situations and people meet their mums and they go oh oh. And it's like, Oh, all the time. What? Oh, what? my God, even all the time. And it's such a... And I think it's so... It's that comment where they go, oh, my God, you've got the same smile. It's like... This is the thing. And my mum is like, you can't really place... Uh, you met you, you, you uh, Leon and Jen and Adrian have met my mum, but I, I remember her experience. It's like she would get spoken to in Arabic... <laughs> all of these different weird like the, and it's such a so how do we get so visible and get the conversation going so much that we you know that Sarah Jane's kids aren't going to grow up having these sort of like same conversations and I feel I, that's why this is important today really for us to sort of just start to I mean it's a minefield isn't it and I think particularly being uh, in the industry we're in and from Leon's very first point about it being, you know, about what we're fed on our screens, you know, I'm massive on that. And I think another uh, amazing topic for one of these sessions is actually colorism. Colorism. Yeah. Right. And for me, that is. Yeah, do you want to explain what colorism is to Sarah Jane? Um, well, just the the sort of discrimination depending on your shade of black. Mm. Yeah. 
and, and it comes from both sides. I don't think it's. I think it's such a massive tangent in a way that it should be kept maybe for another session. Going back to your point, Jen, mm. about your kids, I think. If, if your child, because also it's fine what you call your child, but it's what, like my mum never called me black. She was like, she never called me white, she never called me anything. She just called me Leon and she loved me. Yeah. So it's fine what you want to describe them as, but ultimately it's what they want to describe themselves as. And identifying, yeah. for me, identifying as black, even though I do say mixed race now, but generally if I identify as black, doesn't mean that I don't, ident I haven't got the background, my mum's background. Then doesn't mean that I'm denying my mum. It's like, right. I'm talking about the, because also the name, the, the name, the label black or mixed race is not about culture. I am fully accepting of my white culture. I'm fully accepting of my black culture. That is, that is not, why is that tied to the name of what I call myself as the outside appearance? And I think it's what you've just said. Then if we go back to the roots of it all and we get more inclusivity in on-screen representation, but even more so than that, behind the camera representation, so that the stories that are being told, it's like I was telling Ashley, a lot of my short films that I make myself, I don't, I write the stories because it's like this person in relationship with this person or this person's done that. And then I cast, usually from my friends who are very talented. And it'll be like, oh, Ashley, do you want to play this part? Or it could be Jen, do you want to play that part? Most of the time, if it's something of mine, it's never been written with color in mind. Not because I don't see color, because actually the most important thing is the story. But then as soon as you put it on, on a public platform, the comments that come in, and, oh, the way the black guy reacted in the da 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 da, or a white guy, blah, 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 or the Muslim lad shouldn't have blah, blah, blah. It's like, hang on a minute. The mm. names are in the show and they're on the credits. But the fact that you're using the color of their skin or their ethnicity to describe what you say means that you're putting an instant judgment on them because of that. Whereas if you've got people who are creating these stories who are of all different ethnicities, when they're writing these stories and when they're casting these stories, it won't be so heavily ingrained. So when people are watching it, eventually, as generations go down the line, they'll just see everything it'll be like an episode of pingu do you know what i mean there'll be all these green blue different shades of life and i think that's where society needs to get to which i'm not being defeatist it's not going to happen in our generation it mightn't happen in the generation after but if all these steps are taken and we can make sure they're implemented then i think it will happen for future generations down the line and it's and it's about it's, it's so difficult because you sort of go to be like part of me's loved the not big dealness of of growing up and things just not being a big deal. <laughs> and now, because, and I went, oh, it's because I feel awkward. I'm the person who'll cross the street first to sort of like not make a white lady feel uncomfortable. Same. Yeah, Same. all of that. Cross the road first to not make a white person, you know, uh -huh. sort of like hold it down a little bit. Um, all of those things. It's like, how do we just brave it out? And the great thing now, we've got Afua Hirsch. Um, and Akala and these really amazing activists who talk in a way that I could never talk about it. Um, and actually, you can't argue with them. And that's the thing. It's not just because I think we can generalise so much. And, and I feel a lot of just going back to the mixed race thing. Also, Jen earlier saying, you know, black people are thugs, you know, but white people are thugs. Mm. You know, <laughs> Chinese people are thugs. We have got, there are thugs in every, but there seems to oh. be... But the thing with that is, but the thing with that is, is that there are there there are every different race of thugs. But the thugs that we see generally, nine out of ten, will be hoodie black guys in the street. That's what we that's what we see more so Not than me. a gang of thugs. I see plenty of white thugs in the same I'm size. No, I'm talking, I'm talking about TV and films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And also the thing is, something that I think that really hits on the fact is the fact, you know, for example, us as black people, people of colour, you know, you've and I bet you've all had it. Oh, you're not you're not a typical black person. Oh, I don't mean you because you're not like black people. What are black oh, people? Always, like? loads, 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 loads. Why can't a black person be have a Liverpool accent? Why can't a black person be well spoken? Why can't because there's plenty of they are. You're only assuming that black people aren't like that because you're told that from the television. Exactly. You know what I mean. And also, what we've also got to look at look at as well. I think <laughs> now it's being the special black as actually what that's it's so unhealthy like being in a night I remember back in the day being in a nightclub and a white girl can I feel your hair <laughs> and you go oh and you have a little rummage in your hair and you feel a bit special and <laughs> and then you sort of go all of this sh- shit you know also like white women black white women white men fetishize fetishizing black people, mixed race people, in a way that they can get that black thing. And in that black, when that black thing then materialises into a child, and then they've got the child, and it's like, and then sometimes when the relationship goes wrong, they're like, oh, that was an awful thing, and we're now going to go into our bubble, and it's going to be, and then it's so complex, because we've now got to actually just go, get this all out in the open, let's speak about these things, sort of like, not make it, these to there are a lot. There's a great um, documentary at the moment called "The School That Tried to Stop Racism," and I actually teach one of the kids, uh, Henry. It's amazing. The black kids all put into one room. They are talk about race. They're having these really buoyant, effervescent conversations. The white kids stuck in the room. They don't want to talk about it. They feel awkward. They yeah. feel like the wrong thing they've also never had to talk about it why are you making me talk about it now and what we need to do is have more conversations like this where actually we not be scared to ask you know I've got a friend who's says you know why is it weird to say half cast now she's an educated woman she's educated like she's she not you know who it is, Lee. And I really love her if she watches this. Bless her. She... <laughs> <laughs> I do. But she was in my living room and we had it out. We had it out. And Get was... her on. Get her on. <laughs> She's the same time. It's not, but, you know, good for her for saying, what's it? You know, yeah. as, as, as shocking as it is, like, at least she asked you. And but that's you... the same thing as me going to you guys who um, are mixed race and trying to understand, you know. It is hard to understand because, because you literally, until you wrote that beautiful piece, I never questioned myself. I thought I was a good girl. Turns out I'm a fucker. So... make you a fucker. <laughs> because we're... Because because you've got something ingrained in you that you, you know, you've, because of education and whatever's gone wrong, doesn't make you a bad person. And also okay. I have racist, I have, I've had racial thoughts. I've said stuff that's, you know, microaggressions to people of other races, microaggressions to other genders. Do you know what I mean? It's like to a woman, oh, do you want me to carry your bag for you? It's, you know, silly things like that. You think of nothing of it and someone goes, well, actually you're trying to take away. There's, we all do it, but there's nothing wrong in doing it. What's wrong yeah. is learning that it was wrong and keep repeating it. And actually, yeah, it's... Again, I'd rather get robbed. I'm never going to repeat that again. I'm never going to make another human <laughs> being <laughs> like that. Again, ever. Yeah, I mean, I've, got, I've got it. Like, at the moment, I, I mean, it was all right when people were confusing me with Brazilian and all that. 
oh, I loved it. But now I'm getting hurrah, 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 and I'm getting all the people thinking I'm like Ethiopian and Somalian. I've had, I've been getting offended by it. But what is that? But what is that? It's a different conversation in itself because that's what, a different conversation. there with the Somalians that you don't want to be associated with. What is it? And I'm, so, and I'm fixing it. And you're I'm, happy with like. It's, and it's going back to my mum, my mum who I love, but she works in a school and she works with. Uh, God, this is awful to say this, but loads of Somalian children, and she, and she said that it had been problematic. And in her saying that, mm. years ago she said it, I then built up a bit, and there'd been this thing around, that there seems to have been a, a safe space for us to be, this is another conversation, but Islamophobic, you know, all of these different things. So why am I now offended while people are going to Assalamu alaikum? I'm, I get offended by it. I, I don't now, but I have been. And it's about us fixing all of these things. And can we do this chat again? Yeah. 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 Again, <laughs> for the soul. Yeah. yeah. I think they've given us the, uh, past the 40 minutes on Zoom. For everybody <laughs> out there, I'm a cheapskater, didn't pay for the extra 40 minutes. <laughs> but they just, they, so I think we've probably gone on for a, a long, yeah. long time. But it's been good. I'm going to say a massive thank you and, and, you know, just to hear everybody's different experiences. We can't cover it. I think we should do it again. Yeah, I'm going to pick out, you know, the next topic. There's so yeah. many where it could easily go on a tangent, but... Yeah, and um, pick out the next topic. The the thank you so much. And Adrian, thank, I'll thank you, everyone. Have a chat, like, about this experience of yours. Yes, please. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> exactly. And Donna, thank you. We haven't even scratched the surface with Donna. Um, <laughs> Sarah Jane, so great. And thank you for your honesty, because it's big to put your head above the parapet to I'm say always, these things. That's why I keep getting sacked. <laughs> and also, I I've always seen you like when I've seen you in the papers and stuff for different things and I've gone like oh she's really honest and when you are it's you know it's like Leon as well I feel bad to Leon when like when we were at the RSC and, and he'd be kicking off about stuff and I'd be going come on mate you are building this stuff and it's actually to build this be free. Let's talk. Adrian, thank mm. you. You know, to think, to think that we've known each other since we were 12. And I didn't yeah. actually know that experience. Like, I, I just know that we've been better. Ask who got the job out of you two. I'm so... That's beautiful that that was an experience and that you could go back to Stoke Pogers. Yeah. <laughs> Stoke Pogers and, and go, actually, it's, there are other people out there like me. Okay, yeah. let's do it again. This is called Question It, by the way. So question It, cool. let's. I love yeah. it. Question. Thanks so much, everybody. Nice Link. to meet you. Nice. Thank you, guys. Have a glorious day. Bye. 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 Bye.